Thank you for coming to the show. So please introduce yourself to our audience. Hi, <laughs> <laughs> my name is Anna Noel. I'm 22. I've been modeling for about seven or eight years, um, but I started a lot slower, slow growth, I would say. I mostly do print, but I kind of do a little bit of everything. I've had my fair share of runway, but my main work is e-commerce print. And my backstory is I got started when I was in like eighth grade and I grew up doing martial arts. So my dad was like, you want to model now like what on earth and so I just really started hustling I would go door to door to boutiques and be like let me model for you and it just started being this slow growth and started collaborating with photographers and really just working on my craft and then I got a whole bunch of no's from a whole bunch of agencies and just kept freelancing and then eventually in 2020 February of 2020 got signed here in LA oh wow so you were as a kid finding jobs on your by yourself like mm -hmm. since you were eighth grade is how old i think i was like 13 when I started. What inspired you? Well, my mom was a model. Um, so I always knew that, but it was never encouraged or like, it wasn't necessarily discouraged, but it wasn't something that they were pushing by any means. And I kind of just always had this thought in the back of my head that it seemed really fun. And, you know, to like a young girl, it, it seems like all of these amazing things. And so I just thought it would be a good time. I really didn't think too much into it. So that was when I started literally going door to door. <laughs> oh, really? Wow. <laughs> Trying to find jobs on my own yeah so did your mom show you pictures like growing up of her and that's kind of what introduced you to it like how much of it did she talk about in your like upbringing i definitely seen some photos but it was really like not a common topic of conversation at all because my mom didn't have the best experience back mm. in that time the industry was a lot different it was not something you'd want your daughter to get into knowing the dark parts of right. it Right. Um, and that's why she left it. So it was not something that was pushed on me by any means. So when you told her, I want to do modeling, mom, what was her reaction? She was always very supportive, but she also was very cautious. And it was something I kept from my dad for a while. Oh, really? Um, yeah, I didn't really want him knowing. Wow. And then he found out, obviously. And now he's like so supportive and has pictures of me everywhere and his house and everything, but. So in terms of like the type of model you are, mm -hmm. what type of model are you? Fashion, commercial, lifestyle, and what category would you place yourself? Um, I'm a fashion model and mainly with print. So mainly e-commerce is my bread and butter. You know, it's not necessarily the most glamorous of them all, but it's how you make your money in LA. Right, right. If you wanna work successfully and make an income in Los Angeles, nine out of 10 times e-com is the way to do it. Yeah, most models, that's the main work that they'll do mm -hmm. which is good money too it's good, yeah good. but you don't you also don't pick it like it picks you like if someone's like oh what do you want to do like it's great to have those goals like a thousand percent set those goals try to reach them like do everything you can to market yourself that way but at the end of the day like the jobs choose you right so you've been yeah. signed since 19 three you said 20 i've been signed since 2020 i before that only freelanced and i did it pretty successfully for a freelance model like i was doing well but i wanted to reach that like higher caliber of jobs that at the time as a freelance model you couldn't now there's a lot more ways there's apps that you know do jobs and instagram and everything right but, but i know that a lot of bigger clients are gate kept behind agencies which is why mm -hmm. a lot of people end up needing an agent to kind yeah. of access those bigger jobs mm -hmm. plus the pay is, is different right yeah 
Um, and you have protection. Right, which is really important mm -hmm. these days too. So in terms of the type of modeling you do, you consider yourself a curved model, mm -hmm. yes? Can you explain what it is to be a curved model and kind of like the differences between plus size curve and every other kind of like terminology that references a model that's not necessarily your like traditional stick figure model? Yeah, it's an interesting time because everyone kind of has their own definitions and those definitions vary agency to agency. Some will have a plus and a curved division. Some will only... We'll call their plus a curved division. So it kind of gets confusing. I would say my definition for it would be curve is someone whose measurements range a little bit more on the hourglass side. So their hip to waist ratio is going to be larger than your typical straight size model. Plus I would say is, you know, you're, you're in the one X and up. So when you're still wearing a size medium and large, that doesn't mean you're necessarily curved. You could just be a size medium and large. But if your hip measurement is an inch or two bigger than your typical hip measurement, then that's when I would consider you more of that curved size. But once again, it gets confusing because this is such a new thing in the industry and mm. it's really breaking through. So I've gone to so many jobs where they've put me in a 2X and it's been an interesting thing to navigate mm. um, because they think I'm curved, so I'm, a, I'm plus size. And there's so many amazing plus size models and there's so many amazing curve models, but I think there needs to be a little bit more of a Distinction. Distinction and figuring out like what does that exactly mean. Um, so plus size would you say is bigger than a curve model? Yes, but now the term plus size is kind of becoming outdated. Like the term plus size is now something that a lot of people are moving away from. And now they're starting to put curve and plus in the same category, which I think is amazing. Like, I think... Sounds better. Yeah. To say curve than plus size. Yeah, it's kind of like, you know, we're moving on with the times. Like, let's make people feel confident in their bodies. Um, once again, it's like some agencies, they only have a curve board. But their curve model it's really going to range between right, right, right. that she could wear a size medium. No, I, wear, I get it. And I think know. it makes sense to plus size. It's not the nicest name for yeah. plus size, but curve does mm -hmm. sound a little bit more flattering. It sounds a little bit mm -hmm. more fancy and stuff. Yeah. So you had mentioned to me too, that you didn't start as a curve model. You started when you were younger with a different body type. And then you mm -hmm. said that that kind of transitioned as you got older. Mm -hmm. So what was that transition like from tra like changing your body over the years? Yeah, it was a very odd transition for me and i'm sorry let me ask this real quick mm -hmm. so was the transition after you got signed or before you got signed it was after i got signed oh so you started you got signed mm -hmm. as what do they call it just a regular model straight size straight size yeah i know <laughs> okay straight size model I'm like we've got to come up with some new terms here jeez <laughs> regular size straight yeah normal size, reg whatever. straight yeah. okay so street, straight size yeah. model you started out as a straight size model Okay, and then that's interesting. So mm -hmm. tell me, walk me through that, how that it's all happened. super interesting. So when I got signed, I was a size zero. And at this point, like I was eating no more than 1200 calories a day. I was working out at least two hours a day. I was, I never had an eating disorder in the sense of like, I never went hungry, but I deprived myself of a lot of fun parts in life for the sake of like staying really small. And even when I was a size zero, I was always the curvy one because my hips were always much bigger than other girls. And that's my hip bone. You know, you can't lose that. So it was, it would mess with my head because even when I was a size zero, I still was the big one. Then I started like realizing at this point, if I booked one job a month, I was ecstatic. Mm -hmm. Like I was on top of the world. I was like, wow, I've made more today than I made babysitting back home. Like mm -hmm. I'm doing great. And then I started realizing like, I think just as I got 
a little older, you know, your body naturally changes. Even now I'm only 22, but my body has changed a lot. And I realized there's so many amazing parts in life that you should have balance. You should enjoy some good food here and there. You know, if you miss the gym a day, it's okay. Like it's a healthy balance. It's a healthy lifestyle. So this transition was really supported by my agent. Um, and it wasn't something really talked about originally. It wasn't a plan I had, but I started to gain weight and I was always very transparent with her. I was like, look, I want you to tell me like, if I need to lose weight, tell me, like, be honest with me. I will. Cause I was so, so afraid. Cause I had heard, you know, so many horror stories. And she was like, you're beautiful. Like just, I just want you to be happy. I'm really blessed with an amazing agent. This Mm. isn't typical. I would gain weight and then I would lose it for a job. If I had a swimsuit job, I'd freak out and I would go on this crazy diet and lose all this weight. And then right after that, I would eat a pizza because then I'm like, oh, I've deprived myself for the past month, you know? And so it was just this really unhealthy balance. And I got to this point in life where I was like, you know what? Screw this. I'm going to embrace myself for who I am, live a healthy lifestyle. So still exercising, being active, but also like going out with my friends and doing things I enjoy. And now I enjoy cooking Mm. and that was never something I could. And I've just really kept that open conversation with my agent. So anyways, throughout the past, what, three years, I've went from a size zero to now a size eight. And I work now more than I ever did as a size zero and I'm happy, Right. you know, but that's not always the case. Some, some people that may not be the case for me. It was though. So would that mean that when you got signed with this agency in LA, who's the agency, by the way? Aston Models. Aston Models. How long did it take for you to get your first job as a model? And was it what you expected when you finally got that contract and got signed? Yeah. So my first two months at Aston were very slow and I was really bummed out because I had this high expectation and and excitement um, being a signed model. And now being exclusive, I couldn't hustle and get my own job. So I felt out of control. I felt like I didn't have control of my career. I felt like a sitting duck just waiting. You know, I set up a meeting with my agent and we really just went over like, what are my goals? Where do I want to be? What do I need to do? So we set up a bunch of test shoots, like really expanded my portfolio. And I remember right after doing that, like literally immediately after that week week of test shoots every day, I started booking pretty consistently. And those jobs that I started back in 20, I think, uh, yeah, back in 2020 or sorry, 2021 at this point, I still have them today. They're reoccurring clients that I work with today. That's a good thing. Yeah. It's amazing. Um, must mean that they really like you if they keep bringing you back. And I love them. They've honestly, a lot of my clients have become family. Oh, that's, that's funny. That's exactly what Omar touches on. So that's like the key to actually working consistently as a model Mm -hmm. is establishing a great relationship with these brands and and just making sure that they love you. That's what I teach Mm -hmm. in my class too. I teach the art of winning someone's favorability over you like you want to have people's favor you want to win your agent over you want them to be constantly rooting for you and you have to do that by actually interacting and engaging and building a relationship with them not a lot of models know to do that and it's like it's a part of what makes someone successful is your relationships yeah and I've always been told my entire life I've always been told there's a million pretty faces and there's a million people that can replace you tomorrow so you have to be more than a pretty face and at the end of the day no one wants to work with someone 10 hours on set 
that's a pain to be around. Yeah, you know, 100%. So would you say then that the reason why you started getting more jobs is because you were testing more as a model and you kept adding to your portfolio? Or what do you think? Like, was it the photographers that you worked with that were capturing certain versions of you that others weren't? Like, what was do you think the big difference as to when you started getting more jobs and what the catalyst was? Um, I think there were two main catalysts. The first was because at this point, I'm still a size zero two. So this isn't like my size changing. The first would be testing like doing all those shoots i think in hindsight everyone on instagram thought they were book jobs <laughs> so everyone was like who is this girl why is she working so much we need her in reality i was just doing fun photo shoots hoping to expand my book so i think that it kind of creates this hype around you when everyone's posting you're posting you're doing all these cool things they don't know it's not a paid job, you know? And and then the second would be Miami Swim Week. So mm. that same year I went to Miami Swim Week and I lost money. I didn't make a profit. As if anyone's been to Miami, it's already expensive. And then you go during the <laughs> most popular week of the year and it really gets you. Um, but I think that created a lot of hype. And when I got back from Miami, I started booking a lot more as well. Okay. So those two things. It's like you have to invest in yourself. It's just like any other business. You have to put in money in order to, to make money. Yeah. And a lot of that, is like you're not always going to make a profit with certain things right sometimes there's losses which is yeah. a good segue to ask um let's i'm gonna ask this in two parts before you got signed and then since you've been signed but let's start with before you got signed how much money would you say you've invested in your modeling career and then after you got signed how much money do you think you've invested after you were signed i wouldn't say i would say before i got signed not a lot honestly um and this isn't something and this i don't recommend this necessarily it just happened for me i think i've only paid for like two shoots in my life mm. and i like i said i wouldn't necessarily recommend that um at the beginning i think it's really great to work with free photographers that are at your same level so you can build comfortability they're not going to be the best photos because you both are probably at beginner levels once you get comfortable then i think it's important to invest and pay photographers that you know are you're going to get the content you need for your portfolio so before i would say like just flights to la when i would have jobs so really it really wasn't that much so you're saying that before you got signed you were testing for free so you're able to save mm -hmm. on testing for free you got content and basically everything else was just wardrobe and flights and yeah all that stuff. and hair and like all of those things which are all tax write-offs too right um did you know that then i did yes okay and then now i still do a lot of collaborations but that's also once again it's working with people at your same level so it benefits both people and finding something both parties need for their portfolio. But I think my agents do my digitals, so I don't need to pay for them. But I always recommend to my friends, like, invest and pay for your digitals to be done. It's worth it. Like, there's certain things that are so worth it to invest. And then obviously, upkeep as a model costs money. I have to get my hair done. A lot of times, clients will pay for nails, spray tans, um, which is funny. LA, they love to spray tan you. Um, you know, skincare, all of those things get expensive. But I would say overall it's more so those trips like Miami that was very expensive <laughs> right right yeah because you're just you're maintaining and then you're like finding ways because yeah because a lot of models don't even realize like when you travel to a different market your agency doesn't cover that you no. cover that you cover your stay your flight everything yep. if you're testing out a new market the only mm -hmm. time they pay for any not even that your agencies will pay it's that the client pays if they want to fly exactly. you out for a certain place and which stuff. you pretty much have to be famous for them to do that because they can right. find another you in their city yeah. like that's just the truth it's like any business is going to save money by hiring a local model than exactly. hiring someone out so exactly. they're hiring you for a very specific reason yeah. if they're flying you out i've only been flown out two times i think for a job where san francisco oh, okay yeah so not far so but do you have a mother agent in san francisco my mother agent is aston but i'm signed in san francisco 
New York, um, and Milan. So what did your mother agent get you? All of them. Oh, so I thought you yeah. were signed and then, okay, so you came I to LA. I freelanced and it's all in San Francisco. Because you said that you came to LA mm -hmm. and then you finally got signed mm -hmm. and then they placed you all yeah. over. What's okay. funny is my San Francisco agent, I went to them in eighth grade. I got denied. I got a, I got a very kind no. Um, I was so bummed out. And then they actually signed, they were my mom's agent way back in the day. Mm. So then I come back, I get signed to Aston. They get me signed to look in San Francisco. So it's like this big full circle moment. Did you like, see, you guys should have, you guys could have had me I'm like, you could have had me at 13. <laughs> <laughs> you could have developed me, but it's fine. Yeah, no, it's, that's good though. I mean, you kind of learned your own way, your own path and mm -hmm. like it made you stronger. Cause I think like that's yeah. important to note too, that like a lot of models, when they have everything kind of just handed to them, them without doing any of the work themselves to become a little bit ungrateful and mm -hmm. they also don't learn how to work this is a, a an industry a, a type of job that really can train people to not have to do any work because mm -hmm. as soon as you're signed a lot of people will coast mm -hmm. just wait don't do anything and like not create content not build up th mm -hmm. themselves and they like that a lot of people mm -hmm. like the idea of not having to work but your life path was like you had to make things happen for yourself for sure. and i think that's what models have to learn because that's really the ones that break the norm and then like actually become something so yeah and it's taking all those no's and not getting discouraged just keep pushing through i had i got so many no's even aston i emailed before and i never got a response and now they're yeah they're my mother agent so it's not taking those no's too seriously just keep pushing working on your craft hustling right and pivoting too like that's why Absolutely. i help models re-strategize a lot because sometimes their pictures just aren't good or sometimes yeah. their look isn't good or sometimes their social media isn't good during your transition from when you went from a smaller size to the size that you are now did you do any other bodily changes to yourself to have any advantage as a model in this business um yes i don't know if it was to have an advantage as a model necessarily but i did get my lips done when i turned 18. i always felt like my lips were too small for my face. So I got my lips done. Um, there was a little bit of time I went a bit overboard. I Looking back, I will admit that. But, you know, I whatever. I was 18. I was enjoying life, you know. Um, and then... Uh, so real quick, you got signed with lip fillers. Yes, I got yeah. signed with lip filler. Did they um, mention that at all when you got signed? Like they addressed that at all? No. It's, it's LA. My New York agent has talked... We've talked about it what for sure. Say? They, well, cause at this point, um, I haven't gotten it in two years. So there's obviously going to be residual filler. Like I think that's a common knowledge now. We always thought before it dissolves over time, your body, um, like metabolizes it. And now we know it dissolves a bit, but also migrates. So at this point, I haven't gotten anything done at all to my face in two years, but I'm still, my lips are now still bigger than they were, but I told, like, my New York agent knows I don't get them done because that's the issue is, like, if you are looking different than your photos or looking different over time, you show up and, you know, your lips are bruised and they're, like, 10 right, times right. bigger. In LA, it's, it's much more common. In fact, sometimes it may even be promoted. Other times it may be shamed. Like, it's very... Base, person to person, basis to basis. I think it's all about enhancing your natural beauty. If you think you need a little bit to even out your face or to, you know, balance things out, then I don't think there's anything wrong with it. But I think it's important to not go overboard, especially as a model. You always want to be able to, if they need to strip back the makeup, if they want to do a natural shoot, you still need to be able to show up and look natural. But if they are more of a glam 
company and they want the fuller lips, they can overline a little bit, you know? So it's finding that like middle ground and not looking overly plastic, overly fake. But once again, I think it's about having a open conversation with your agents, being able to talk to them about it, say, what do you think if I did this? I always send my agent message, what do you think if I go brunette? Mm. What do you think if I do this? What about this? You know, she probably gets annoyed with me because I'm always texting her about something, but it's being able to have those conversations. Right. But very market to market. If you show up in Milan with pufferfish lips, you're gonna send you right back on the plane home. Yeah, that's the biggest thing for me too, is that I teach models. Like I was shooting someone yesterday and we were talking about her Instagram and how like all of her pictures have her with over lip liner mm -hmm. and not heavy makeup, but you can tell that she has makeup yeah. on and stuff. And every model you see, you compare them with actors and influencers, most models always look natural. Mm -hmm. Most wealthy guys go for models because they're naturally beautiful mm -hmm. and because they wear less makeup. If you notice, they don't tend to be with the influencers and the mm -hmm. girls that have to like wear all these false false eyelashes who are have over lip fillers and have all this makeup they tend to go for the women that are naturally beautiful mm -hmm. because most high-valued men like natural women mm -hmm. they don't like women with a lot of makeup and stuff right i shoot models mainly with no makeup on because yeah. i do their digital yeah. and so i now have like a whole different reality of women that i it, it's weird when i see women with a lot of makeup mm -hmm. especially like false eyelashes because like i encourage like yeah wear makeup to enhance yeah. your beauty and i'm like as far as plastic surgery my whole thing about it is or any like cosmetic procedure as long as it looks natural mm -hmm. like the objective of a successful procedure is for no one to be able to yeah. notice but yeah. the problem is is that people do it in a way where it's so noticeable and it can be a distraction because everyone can draw attention to like they got something done or whatever um what so, did they get done they're yeah, trying to figure it out yeah and it's like there's there's a balance of how of how it works and stuff but in terms of like uh the trend for lip fillers in la mm -hmm. that's something that i think is really interesting because i don't know if that's going to last forever mm -hmm. if that's you know in early 2000s skinny girls skinny white girls was the trend mm -hmm. even skinny like black and asian girls and now it's more curves mm -hmm. right beauty changes over time and lips i don't know i don't know what phase we're in with that and stuff like if it's if it's like at peak right now or if it's in the decline or what the situation is and who dictates it you yeah. know who dictates it is the fashion is it men in mm -hmm. encouraging women to get it yeah. and like not being attracted so that women are gonna like remove them or whatever i saw a video on tiktok where this girl like dissolves her lips and everyone in the comments were really supportive and it was like encouraging so it's like i don't know where we're at with this yeah. whole thing you know yeah. i will also say back to I, I would say 95, 98% of models have work done. It's just that you don't know it mm. or you don't notice it. And that's going back to making sure the work that you do get done aligns with your market also. For example, when I go to New York, my agent is like, she would be pissed if I walked in with even clear nail polish on. It's like buffed nails only. That's how natural it is. And it's like so, so specific. Where in LA, like most of my clients, they're all about the glam. They pay for me to get spray tans done. You know, they like pay for me to go get my nails done. So it's very much also dependent on the market. A lot of times when you show up to castings in LA, it's no longer no makeup, no hair. It's natural makeup and styled hair because a lot of clients here have to be able to envision you. In New York, if you show up with even a wave in your hair, it's like, you're not a real model, get out of here. Mm. So it's so dependent on where you're at. And that's something I've been learning is like making that transition when I go to New York, because I'm so used to here, things being so different. So when do you go to New York? Like how often do you stay in LA? And then when do you go to New York to like, how does that work with you? So I just signed in New York um, like eight months ago. So I went for fashion week and I walked a show and um, I went out there to 
test and meet my agents and everything. And then once I graduate college in two weeks, um, I didn't even know you were in college. Yeah, I'm in college. <laughs> wait, what are you studying? Uh, business management and marketing. Oh wait, I think we did talk about that. Okay. Um, so yeah, once I graduate, then I plan to go out there for about two months. Okay. So. So next year, top of the year. Yeah. Fashion week, yeah. February. Uh, I probably I'm too short for fashion week. I just watched one show because it's direct, but mm. I probably won't go during fashion week. We will see. How tall are you? I'm five eight and a half. Oh yeah. Well, I yeah. guess that's for for fashion. For New York, week. sure. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, it's so dependent. But so even for like curved models that are doing fashion week, they still have like a height mm-hmm. height requirement and stuff. Yes. Yes, I'm short there. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I know. It's I think five nine is like the minimum that they usually want. The mm-hmm. taller, the better. Yeah. But in LA, five seven, you're golden for ecom. Mm. So you said like the majority of the work that you did is ecom, but have you shot any ad campaigns? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I recently did my first ever makeup campaign, which is really cool because it's been something I've actually been praying about being able to do by the end of the year. And so I did it for Rebecca Cruz, which is um, really cool. It was an amazing makeup campaign. Um, so that would be my most recent fave. Nice. Um, but yeah, I would say there's a lot of lookbooks in LA too. So it's kind of like an in-between of a campaign and mm. an e-com. Um, but most of my e-com stuff is super stylized. It's on location. It's not your typical white backdrop right. that we think of e-com. So it keeps the days fun. So can you tell us your favorite ad campaigns that you've done? Yeah, I would say key sunglasses was really fun because it was my first time being in stores. So that was really cool. And I love their sunglasses. Mm. So that was awesome. Did you get free sunglasses at the shoot? I sure do till this day. Nice. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, love Key. I did recently a campaign for MBM Swim, which is this really cool swimwear line. And they're all about being size inclusive. Mm. And with so many different styles being adjustable. And you can wear them like six different ways. So that was awesome. It was a super beautiful location. Unique Vintage is one of my, um, they're one of my first clients with Austin actually, and they're still my client till today. I work with them many times a month, but we always do really fun campaigns. So every holiday they have a new campaign and it's been on Hulu commercials and in the movie theaters, they'll do them. That's always a really good time. And they're the clients I'm closest with. So I feel like they've become family. Right. So, that's yeah. Dope. But there's a whole bunch of random ones. Yeah, yeah. No, that's good. That's good that if you can't remember them all, that means you've been working. It's, it's good to be a working model, you know? I'm like, it's early. What time is it? <laughs> um, okay, but let's talk about model pay in terms of, like, the differences between curve models being paid for mm-hmm. a campaign like is there a difference between the pay for a curve model for a campaign versus a straight fit straight what is it called straight model straight model straight, i don't know a <laughs> straight traditional model traditional, a traditional yeah, model yeah. yeah is there a difference in pay do you like what's kind of i mean that'd be weird if there was but what is the pay look like in, in the difference i guess between the models i don't think technically there is a pay difference or there shouldn't be a pay difference um but it is hard because in this industry there's not a lot of pay transparency mm. people you know you can't look it up on Glassdoor. people don't really talk about it um even sometimes clients will say please don't discuss this rate with other models if they are giving different rates for me personally i make more as a curve model that's just because I work a lot more. Mm. When I was size zero, size two, if I booked one job a month, I was so excited. If I made, you know, $1,000 a month, I was like, this is awesome. Because I was used to making $12 an hour at a preschool. Mm. So this was like the best thing ever. Wait, mention that because I don't think there's context for that. Oh. $12 at yes. a preschool because you were... I worked at a preschool. I made $12. I think it went up to $12.50 at one point. Chasing LA? around... Uh, this was in the Bay Area. Oh. It was in Alameda. Chasing around 14 children. So making $1,000 in a day was like the biggest 
Right. It's a lot of money to make. Yeah. Yeah. And so now I work a lot more. I have friends that work one day a month, two days a month. They make five to $10,000 and they only have to do that job. But if they don't book a job that month, it's scary. I book less high paying jobs because I do more e-commerce, more bread and butter, but I work multiple times a week sometimes between castings and fit jobs it's multiple a day Mm. um then sometimes there'll be a week where i don't have anything and it's just a off week so with that said i think i work more therefore i make more but i don't believe there's a difference in the hourly pay and if there is we should talk about it we should talk about it (laughs) yeah but i also think that i guess the way to analyze this is how much work is available for curve models Mm -hmm. compared to your regular your traditionally sized models what what do you think do you think that this especially nowadays where diversity is such a big thing that Mm -hmm. companies are pushing do you feel like there is the same amount of work available for curve models Mm -hmm. like should someone that is watching right now who's a curve model or who has curvy body should they look forward to being a model in this business and look forward to a plethora of amount of jobs or is it limited and is it scarce and will will it make competition harder for models what do you think today's podcast is brought to you by me Brandon Andre. If you're a model who wants to become a working model, then you need to enroll in my model masterclass today. In my online class, I teach models how to make more money by showing them how to manage their careers as a business. From getting signed, to building a portfolio that gets you jobs, to building an audience on TikTok and Instagram, then monetizing it, to learning how to win the favor from your agents and casting directors, to learning how to brand yourself on social media, and how to learn brands and brand deals to increase your income as a model. Getting signed doesn't mean you'll get work, but learning how to run a business does. So enroll my model masterclass now by going to my website at brandonandrephoto.com. I think right now being a size eight to 12 is a very niche part of this market. It's something that's very new. It's untapped. It's, I mean, I I was revolves. I don't want to say first, I may have been second between the first or the second um, curvy girl they ever had on the website. And this is so new because businesses are wanting to show different body types because customers are realizing this looks different on me and they're having high returns. That would be my guess. Um, I don't know that for sure. So they're wanting to satisfy this part of the market where people want to see what this looks like on a body similar to theirs, but they may not have lines with extended sizing yet. So it's this interesting point where their sample sizes, I have clients where their sample size is still a size extra small and they special order a size medium or large for me to shoot in because they want people to see it on two different types of bodies. Mm. So with that said, I think it's a very, it's a part of the market that is about to explode in my opinion. There's not many people my size that I work with. There's only one of me at my agency. There's no one that's my size at my agency. I couldn't, I could only tell you one person off the top of my head that I know it's my size working in LA, but that's just that I know personally. But she is a, she's a size, I believe eight. She's about my size. I think we're the same size. Oh, you're talking about comparatively with size. Mm-hmm. Okay. So um, you don't, would you compare, like, would you compare yourself? Who is your competitor in the market? Someone that's a size eight or like, what about bigger sizes? Are they just not someone that you would compare? And then like anyone that's a lower dress size range, are they just not someone that you would compete with? Technically, they're not your competition, but it's specifically someone that is your exact size. Yeah, I would say if someone's looking to book me, they're looking to book a person that is in that kind of mid-size curvy, but not yet plus size. Like if they're looking to book me, they're looking to hit that niche market. There's not a ton of competition there right now because majority of models are either a size zero two or they're plus size. And now there's these new jobs that are being 
created where if you were a size eight a few years ago, you'd probably be out of luck. You wouldn't even probably get signed because they're like, you're in a weird spot. We can't put you anywhere. Now it's this new thing where everyone's like, wait a minute, this is actually really cool because you know, the average size in America, I believe is a size 16, oh, really? which is interesting for women. Yeah. They're arguably one of the least represented sizes. So now they're seeing like all these missing spots. And I think Good American was one of the first brands to really bring that to the public eye. They're saying, you know, we're showing these jeans in a size zero and a size eight and a size 14 and a size, I don't know, 20 or something. It's like four different sizes that they show the exact same outfit on. And now customers are able to see what is this going to look like on my body? And that is like so amazing. So what does that say though about like sizes four through eight though? Mm -hmm. Because that's what I've had a hard time figuring out. Like when models come to me and they're in this mid-size range, mm -hmm. I don't even know what agencies are representing these girls right now. Yeah. Like mid-size, specifically like four to mm -hmm. eight, you know, because you've kind of shown me that there's this like midsection, it's between zero and plus size that there's this middle section, but then there's a midsection between eight and, and zero yeah. that that's even more confusing because it's mm -hmm. like, then they're not curve and they're not mm -hmm. plus size, but they're not super regular traditional models. So what are they and what happens to those models? Mm -hmm. And what do you think happens? Do you think that there's a division for them or they have to fit the mold of the three, I guess, that there are right now? Well, I've been there, so I can tell you. Because mm. <laughs> I didn't just go from a size zero to eight overnight. Like right. it was a, a long process. And I will say, because even conversations I've had with my agent being a size eight, where I'm like, do you think, like when I was going to New York, I was like, do you think I should get to a size six? Like, what do you think? Should I lose some weight? She has kind of, I guess I won't speak for her, but I'll say, unfortunately, where the industry is right now, if you're wanting to do clothing, if you're wanting to do e-com, this doesn't apply to beauty. This doesn't apply to, you know, things that don't involve sizes. Right. You either have to be fitting a size small. So that varies company to company. It can be a size double zero. It can be also a size four. It's a very big yeah. range for a size small. Or you have to be a size more like a large. And unfortunately, that middle part, when I was a size four, six, it was this funky area where I couldn't compete with the really skinny girls. And I also couldn't compete in that more inclusive size range. And it's just a weird spot. So until we get to the point where companies can carry every single size or multiple sizes or have flexibility with their sample sizes, unfortunately, it's kind of like these boxes that it really sucks, but they're carrying a certain size and you have to fit that size. But I like that in this discussion, we're kind of making it a little bit more clear the direction mm -hmm. that someone can take. Because yeah. at least now they're like, okay, well, then I'll go down to this size mm -hmm. or I'll go up this size and mm -hmm. I'll choose a kind of like a box to be in if I'm going to do this yeah. so that they can at least plan ahead and they're not like, well, why don't, doesn't anybody want me and mm -hmm. stuff? So I like that we're at least yeah. making that clarified. Okay, so since you're a curved model, like how do you think that's affected your social media and standing out in the market, especially in LA? Like has that been beneficial to you to be set apart and kind of stand out in Los Angeles? Yeah, I think that there's not a lot of models at my size. So it's definitely made me stand out. It makes me, you know, different than your typical model. I've also dealt with the downsides of that because there is a lot of, you know, there's still a lot of negative discussion around all of this. And there's a lot of people that believe to be a model, you do need to be a size zero. So it can be uncomfortable at times as well, but it's also what has made me so successful, I think, is that transition and also having such an amazing team behind me supporting that transition because it's also not for everyone. You know, some people are gonna work a lot better as a size zero and that's just how it is. I think a good question to ask too is how long did it take you to go from a size zero to the size that you are now? Like how long was that transition period? I would say for 
the past three years, my weight's fluctuated a lot. I'll go from like losing a lot of weight to then gaining it right back, losing it for a shoot, gaining some weight back. Like it's been this big thing. Oh, I have digitals. Okay, I'm gonna be on this gnarly diet for a week, you know? Um, so it's been a lot of that back and forth. And then I would say for the past year now, I have really stabilized at the size that I am and embraced it. And that's also helped me keep a lot of reoccurring fit modeling jobs because for fit modeling, you cannot fluctuate mm. sizes. You cannot fluctuate your weight. So that was hurting me for a while. So now for the past year, I would say I'm a size eight and I'm like a true truth through and through. I'm Nothing's going to change. So would you say that it's been easier or harder to stay this size? Like is it easier for a curve model to maintain her weight than it is for a size zero for girls that are traditionally thin? It's totally dependent on that person, on their body type. You know, there's some people that are just born a size zero and they can eat whatever they want and they can live their best life and they'll always be that size. There's other girls that were like me where that's not how my body naturally is. So I had to work so hard to stay that size. So it really is dependent person to person, I would say. But this is where my my body naturally is, whether I, you know, go a little crazy last night at dinner or whether I am so good, I'm gonna be in this range. Right, so yeah. if, if you were to ever try to go lower, you would have to work really hard in order for that as yes. opposed to someone that was naturally genetically predisposed to that mm -hmm. body type. Exactly. In terms of how that translated to social media though, like you have about what, 18,000 followers, right? How did you build your following? Did that happen before you moved to LA or as you moved to LA? Um, I mean, I've had the same Instagram account since I, since Instagram started. So it's been a very long transition, but I would say TikTok videos that would blow up, that would push followers to my Instagram. And then I had an Instagram reel that did pretty well. I had one, I think it's at 7 million and then another one, I forget where it's at, but that really like jumped my followers. So I would say it's been a long transition of building followers. It just is growing over time, but it's not something I stress that much about, to be honest. I probably should stress more about it. <laughs> Do you, has it made a difference in the type of work you've gotten? Like, has that been brought up and mentioned with your agencies and different brands? Definitely. And at castings, they'll even sometimes ask you, how many Instagram followers do you have? If two girls are equal in every sense and they love them both and they're awesome and one is Instagram famous and one's not, they're, from a marketing standpoint, they're going to pick the girl that has a million followers because hopefully she'll post something about the shoot and now they just got free advertising. That's just how it goes. Right. So it's important to build your following but I also think it's important to not you know buy followers not fall into this trap of like wanting to skyrocket and you kind of have to be patient with it hope something blows up and kind of naturally pushes you but you can't also stress too much about it also I think with models Instagrams remaining authentic while still posting your work is important so you want to show your work you want people to see you're working you you want to make that you know it's your portfolio in a sense but it's also really important to show your fun side you side with your friends like nothing too party nothing too like you know all the time drinks and stuff but showing your adventures like showing your personality because brands like they fall in love with that too and aesthetic do you think like building a certain aesthetic helps like helps brands envision like you for their campaigns because mm -hmm. you maintain an aesthetic yeah I think in a sense I think I have the worst feet aesthetic ever so I'm probably not <laughs> the best person to talk about this but in the sense of like I have a lot of like beach photos and travel photos so a swimwear brand is going to be able to envision me in their line you know I've had a lot of jobs where they'll reference another job I did they'll say oh we want you to do this pose like they'll they'll say the brand you know they'll reference that I'll walk on onto set and they'll have a picture of me on a poster it's like a selfie I took on my Instagram like six months ago and I'm like what you guys 
I don't even know you looked at so my Instagram. So they draw inspiration from yeah. the feed that you have. Mm-hmm. So they really do pay attention they to your do. Instagram feed. Yeah, for What sure. about TikTok? Do they ever mention any of your TikToks? Um, they'll sometimes mention TikTok, but I don't think it's too big of a thing. Yeah, I don't think brands, unless they find you on TikTok, it's probably not as obvious. I think Instagram right. is more for modeling. Yeah, I mean, so. it's definitely the way that I know it works is discoverability is TikTok, mm-hmm. but then they will always land on your Instagram to kind of yes. gauge like your photos and just your aesthetic mm-hmm. and overall. Because the way you display your photos on Instagram really does show like how you view yourself as a person yeah like if you have an aesthetic that means okay this person has like a certain way that they approach creating content and Mm -hmm. just like displaying it and stuff and I think it's really interesting I think it's really interesting that you can kind of mind read a little bit of Mm -hmm. people when you kind of gauge their Instagram so on that note do you think that there's a difference between the story content that you would share versus like what you post I think for myself like even though on my personal Instagram I don't really post as much this year but when I was doing it like I would try to have like more professional photos I'm not a model I'm a music artist on my personal one not talking about the modeling Mm -hmm. one but my stories would always be where I show personality and so that's where I kept people kind of engaged so do you think now that's something that models should be aware about like okay post cool photos post cool content but show personality in your stories because people are watching them and it's a way to show your personality I think you should show your personality in both your feed and your story like you want to sprinkle in because if you don't have a story up and someone's looking at your page they're gonna see your feed obviously so you need to have that as well but I would say my story is definitely a lot more casual. It's a lot more organic feeling, a lot more spur of the moment. I don't think too much about my story. If I'm doing something fun, post it, whatever. So I think that's where you really can like hone in on that, but you should still have it like sprinkled throughout your feed. And photo dumps are a great way to do it. I love keeping (laughs) it like not too serious. Like you may see a picture of me like eating a hot dog and you know. No, that's personality. I think that's great. (laughs) When you shot ad campaigns from all these brands, did they tag you on social media and did that draw any followers to you? Like did you get any growth from actually shooting and working as a model specifically? Um, A lot of brands do tag. A lot of brands also don't. My biggest clients, I mean, Khloe Kardashian has posted my photo. Lori Harvey has posted. Revolve posts me. They don't tag. And that's not something I take personal. They're paying me to do a job. They don't have to give me credit. If it was a collaboration, I would feel upset if I wasn't tagged. However, when brands, especially ones you have personal relationships with, they typically do tag you. And a lot of times in the comments, people will even ask, like, who is this model especially when they're doing a side-by-side of me and a size zero and they'll say this dress on two different bodies people in the comments go crazy over those and they want to know who are the models and you know so in that sense that definitely will push followers but a lot of times the biggest clients don't and that's that's okay yeah I think there's this misconception for models that oh like I'm gonna be like they don't want to emphasize growing the social media and like I've had this conversation with other agents they're like oh no like I don't have to worry about my model doing stuff on social media to grow they're following like they're going to grow naturally when they're being shared on social media it's like well not every brand will tag the model so it's like there can't be this expectation that your followers are going to grow because you become a model and you get signed yeah it's more like you have to actually be intentional on your own and that's where i tell people all the time too that that's why there's a difference between influencers and models where there's a hustle about influencers that i respect because they manage their their careers they're the ones that are emailing brands and they're the ones that are doing all these things they're the ones that's creating the content editing their content doing all these things for themselves and that's why they end up getting a lot of followers because they have a lot more control whereas models over the years especially because models today are thinking that the industry was like how it was in the 80s 90s and early 2000s and it's not the same industry not at all and you have to like actually try and be intentional and work and do things that your agent might not be telling you that you got to be doing and stuff and a lot of that is social media yeah and no agent is teaching models how to grow their social Mm -hmm. media and stuff so that's like a little bit problematic when you come in with this like attitude of well I don't 
don't need to post anything on social media because I'll grow my followers when I work. And it's yeah. like, it's not how it works. It's not how it works. And I think you have to be your own advocate in a lot of situations. Your agent is an amazing tool, but it's a partnership. It's not you work for them or I wouldn't even say they work for you, even though probably technically it's more so that. It's partnership. And they also have a lot of other people to worry about. Their hands are so full. So a lot of times you're not going to have that really personal relationship like what I have with my agent where I feel like she's a second mom to me. A lot of times that's not the case and you have to be hustling. You have to be staying on them about what your goals are. You have to be planning lunches with them. You need to be making your, as long as it's contractually okay, making your own test shoots, doing those things, emailing all these people. And there's also a cool crossover with a lot of clients that'll book for modeling stuff. Then they'll hire their models to do UGC videos Mm. to post, like they'll work with you on a social media influencer way as well after the shoot. So there's a lot of repetitive clients. There's a lot of ongoing relationships. There's a lot of people that refer you. There's so many referrals. So it's really all about like your attitude, your grind, how you hustle. Cause once again, a million pretty faces, Right. you know? So you mentioned something that's I've never heard before too, which is cool. But like, does that mean that um, the UGC stuff and the social media posts, when you get those kind of gigs, is that through your agency now? Or is that directly to you? For me personally, I'm not signed to my agency with social media. I have a very like transparent relationship with my agency. If something comes up through a job, like I will work with them on it out of respect. However, my UGC videos that I do, my, you know, brand deals that I do, 99% are all done independently. And that was something actually last summer I broke my leg. And when I broke my Mm. leg, uh, my career was over for a few months Mm. and models were independent contractors. We don't get disability. We don't get any of these things. So all of a sudden I had no income. I still had bills to pay. I had never booked a beauty job. So it wasn't like I had all these things I could do without my legs. And I was able to make the exact same amount of money through only brand deals, which was really cool. But that was hustling. That was sending out 30 emails a day minimum and really like pushing that. So So you you're badass. <laughs> Thanks. Oh, you send out 30 emails a day for that's good. at that time now yeah. i don't no, <laughs> have that's, time for that now. that's that's good though that's that's definitely a hustler for sure when you have a broken leg you have lots of time <laughs> yeah no I, I can imagine that do you think that that's going to change do you think that agencies are going to eventually put that in the contract or they're going to start wanting to take a cut of anything that they any like social media gigs do you think that's going to be worked into the contract at a certain point absolutely i was with an agency before austin for a very short amount of time and that was in my contract with them i was so excited to sign I was not advocating for myself in a way that I would today. So I kind of just like, okay, yeah, whatever you guys want. At this point, it is a thing now that agents do take cuts of social media. It's very dependent on your personal contract with them. And so also if they're getting you a lot of social media jobs, then like I'd gladly give the 20%, you know, if they're hustling for you and they're sending out those emails, like they deserve that. Mm. However, if it's, you already have an established social media career, you already have these clients and that's not really their thing. They mostly focus on traditional modeling, then it doesn't make sense. Right. So you have to figure out like what makes sense. How long has modeling been full time for you? Um, I would say full time for two years. Okay. I would say like, yeah, like full, full time. Do you feel like confident and comfortable doing it full time? Like how long do you think that will last for you? Um, That's an interesting question because for a very long time, there's been this fear and this fact kind of that you age out. I think it was like t- by 24, it's like you're, you're donezo. Now, one of the top earners at my new 
York agent. I don't, I don't want to guess her age. You never do that with, with a girl. <laughs> but she's like middle-aged, you know? She's stunning. And she works like so much, booking every freaking big designer. So the industry is really changing. Also, I know some of the very successful models at my agency, one of them is 32. And you would never guess it. So things are really changing. I think it also depends on, you know, how I age. Like, I don't know what I'm going to, you know, I don't know where that's going to go. I don't know where my life is going to go if I'm, you know, have kids and stuff or whatever that may be. But I have told my agent she has to sign my kids. So we do have a kids <laughs> department and I'm nice. like, you're it's signing funny my I just, I just started launching yes, this youth portion yes. of my business as well. Yeah. Because I think that's going to be really mm-hmm. uh, important as well. Yeah. Um, also now there's like, there's a lot with commercial, you know, they right. need someone of every age, different brands, you know, brands that are a little bit are for the older crowd. They're going to have older models. They're not going to have a 20 year old representing a more like middle-aged marketed clothing company. It doesn't right. make sense. So I teach models that modeling should never be an income that they depend on fully. Like mm-hmm. that's to me like very scary that anybody mm-hmm. does, right? So when people are able to do that, I think that's cool. I always try to teach models to like still figure out other ways to take that income mm-hmm. and put it somewhere else mm-hmm. because I think that that's like I have the saying that modeling is a supplemental income. Mm-hmm. I think it's great if it's a main source of income, but because it's so uncertain, like you could work, you could break your leg and not work. That's too scary for I think a lot of people to rely on depend on do you have plans to take the money that you're earning to invest so that money's you're making money in the back end Mm -hmm. do you have a plan to be thought about that or like is it just modeling like if tomorrow you find out you can't model anymore what would you do I guess Mm -hmm. and not to like drive fear factor but it's just to prepare models I totally agree with that I think I've always been the person that I believe you know some people say if you have a plan b you don't care enough about your plan a and I completely disagree with that I think it's so important to have multiple plans I never want to be in a situation where I can't take care of myself or I can't I have to put up with something I'm not comfortable with or I don't like because I don't have an out so for me it's like first off going off of that branch of modeling I also do fit modeling where that's very much behind the scenes it's you're basically a human mannequin and that's something that's very reoccurring it's very long term because they're fitting the clothes to your body so once they decide you're their model you're their model at least for that season but most likely for years to come because they don't want to be switching their sizing Mm. collection to collection so that's one sense I have a friend that does that full time eight hours a day every Monday through Friday she makes 150 an hour she's doing really good it doesn't matter how she ages doesn't matter anything as long as she remains that size so that's one avenue that I think every model should get into and it works for every size because they need a fit model for every single size who gets them or who gets you the fit modeling your your same agent so um, I'm with three different fit modeling agencies because a lot of fit fit modeling modeling yes this is what no one talks about Mm. I didn't find out for a while fit modeling a lot of times is unexclusive there are you know exceptions and if an agency is good enough then I'd say heck yeah sign exclusively so yeah there's fit agencies which is awesome and then the other part to that is social media stuff so it's like constantly working on you know the UGC stuff all of that that's another side of income and then for me it's going to school and I can get a big girl job if I need you know which I hope I don't need to right away but if I do you know and then um I did just buy my first condo so oh no you bought I'm, a condo yeah wow, so i'm like investing in real estate and Smart. different ways um wow okay i'll see you for the future so i am a huge huge like fan of that i don't think anyone should ever rely on one thing especially something that can so quickly go away and you don't have a retirement plan with modeling you don't have right. you know 401k you don't have any of these things so you have to make sure you have all, all of are you paying plans. for your own health insurance right now uh no i'm 22 i'm all my parents health oh, okay. insurance. <laughs> <laughs> don't get that crazy. <laughs> Forget. I'm not paying for that. <laughs> no. Is the 
condo that you bought where you're living or are you renting mm-hmm. that out? It's where I'm living, yeah. Okay. Did you have, wait, but let, let, did you have help from your family, your parents? I did have some help, I'm not okay. gonna lie. No, but that's people, people need to understand that California, yeah. like 90% of the people that buy property here have had help from their mm-hmm. family. Yeah. It's like impossible to do it by yourself so unless like you yourself. really, really make a lot of money. Yeah. But that's what I've learned from like all the rich people that I've been around in LA where I'm like, how did you afford this $3 million house? Yeah. And like we had help from our yeah, family. Yeah, and my like, house was not $3 million. And also when I bought my place, it was a shithole. Mm. It was so bad. There was mold under the carpet. It had been on the market 70 days, which is unheard of in this market. It was like, had the weirdest layout. It, it was not it. But my mom, dad, and I put in some a lot of elbow grease. Like it was a lot of work of DIYing a whole mm. bunch of stuff. You know, it wasn't like this glamorous place, you know. So it's, you know, it took took time. time. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I would love to see like the before and after. I know. Of that. I'll show really you. Cool. Show you should you. do a little TikTok on that. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so let's dive into a little bit more of a serious topic. You know, you and I met at church at Zoe Church mm-hmm. in LA. We're both Christians mm-hmm. and we both serve at our church. And I think we both serve in youth, right? You serve with the children's ministry. Yeah. I serve with the middle school and high school ministry. How do you navigate this world, the modeling world, that's so heavily based on outward appearance, sexuality, social media following, and superficiality without compromising your faith with God? And do you even think it's possible to honor God as a model in this industry? So I think there's kind of two parts to this. One half of it is contrary to the popular belief and the stereotype, I have met the best people. My two best friends I met at Miami Swim Week, like I've met the most incredible people. I have had the best time. Like I've had so many positive experiences. One of my makeup artists at Revolve, actually, we listen to worship music when she's doing her makeup in the morning. And my stylist and makeup artist at another job, we've gone to church together. Like there's a lot of crossover where it's like promoted, it's loved. Like you're able to have these really good conversations and you don't know who's listening. Maybe someone that needs a, you know, positive word or needs to hear something walks behind you or whatever like it's kind of an awesome space to have these conversations the flip side of that is there's been a lot of times where I've had to be stern on my boundaries I have made boundaries at the beginning of my career and I'm proud to say I haven't budged on them there's certain things that I'm not comfortable with doing I don't shame other people from doing that that's their career that's their life for me I have certain things that I'm not comfortable with if there's something like if there's a job where I am wearing something I did not agree to or I made clear I was uncomfortable with or if you know recently there was a situation where someone said something that was very alarming and I felt like as someone that was much older than most of the girls there I needed to speak up and I did not attend the job and so that's something that could have hurt my career because I'm very much about punctuality I'm very much about following through committing to your word but I think boundaries and morality lies way above that so So luckily I have support like with my agent for those things. She knows my boundaries. She respects my boundaries. So I think it's really important in this industry that if you're unclear on what you're comfortable with, do not get in this industry because you will be pushed. People will take advantage of it. And that's just how it is. They see you. A lot of people see models as a hanger Mm. and they don't really care about what, what you say. So if you're not stern and you don't know what you're comfortable with, like you will probably leave that day not feeling right. So 
for me, I've always known where those boundaries lie. And if they're not being respected, then I'm out. And so that's kind of the, the dark side of it. That's been a minority of experiences. Majority of my experiences have been absolutely incredible. I've had so many amazing conversations with so many different people that were unsure about their faith or not at all believers or, you know, just going through a hard time where they have the strongest relationship with God. And, you know, we've gotten so close and bonded over those things. So I think it, I think God can be anywhere. I know God can be anywhere. I think the entertainment industry in Hollywood, it's this spiritual warfare and it's a spiritual battle. I think there's so much good that could be done for God and in God's name within the industry. So yeah, I mean, that's what's cool because I'm not on TikTok and out there with Mm -hmm. my platform talking about God, but Mm -hmm. everything that I talk about, the the wisdom in it comes from my relationship and my faith in Mm -hmm. God. And I think it's cool to be able to create a place Mm -hmm. for people where it's not, this isn't like a Christian podcast. I don't produce Christian content, you know, but if you know, you know, Mm -hmm. because you only know that someone that has a spirit of God in them could be talking about these things from the the heart and the passion Mm -hmm. of someone who understands the truth and stuff. So I think that's cool. But I guess in terms of like, because something I have had to deal with too as like a music artist as well is how we portray ourselves, especially among the youth that look up to us with modeling. It's very much body, 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 you know, like I don't think it's sinful, for instance, like if you're shooting for Hanes, Mm -hmm. for instance, right? And you're doing Hanes undergarments or whatever. If you're doing a campaign for that, like I don't see it as anything like, oh my gosh, that's wrong, right? Some people might, if they're like Christian and they're like, oh my gosh, like you're Mm -hmm. basically naked or like swimwear stuff, right? Which I guess it kind of answers itself because if a kid is looking at those pictures and then they they see you like stripped down on a campaign Mm -hmm. and then they're they're seeing you as their Sunday school uh, leader, Mm -hmm. what have you thought about that? Yeah, I've definitely thought about that a lot and it's something that I've like gone back and forth on. I know like a lot of people would be uncomfortable with me, you know, being in swimmer or whatever. For me, I've done underwear shoots. They're very like, like I've worn skimpier bikinis, but then lingerie companies, like there's been a few that I've wanted to shoot with me that it's very intimate things. And that's where I draw the line. So for me, that's where my personal boundary lies. And I think it's also a lot about intention and about there's nothing wrong with being in a swimsuit. There's nothing wrong with that, in my opinion. And I think that's also like those kids are are going to grow up and they're going to end up wearing a swimsuit somewhere. And so it's like, I think teaching modesty in a way that's also realistic and finding your intention and your personal boundary. You know, if this is a job and you're wearing a swimsuit, like, okay, whatever. I just don't think it's like that. It doesn't, it doesn't, yeah, yeah. yeah, Like it doesn't even matter to me, to be honest, but shooting for a site that, you know, has like BDSM stuff on their website. (laughs) Like I'm personally not comfortable with that. It doesn't matter what the check is. And that's something I wouldn't be comfortable. Also, anytime I'm like, I don't know if I should post something. Like if it's like, you know, a little bit more on the risque side, I always send it to my mom. I'm like, what do you think? Mm. And my mom's my best friend. And she's someone that has like a very personal relationship with God. And, you know, she's been in the industry. She sees, you know, both sides. So it's like, what do you think about this? And then she'll always give me her honest answer. So I feel like if it gets the mom stamp of approval, then I'm like, I'm good. That's good that you have like wise counsel and like you can go to someone to kind of check you and stuff. And Mm -hmm. and that's important. I also feel like it's the type of church you go to. Like I've definitely been at certain churches where I've been so uncomfortable to give some of my Instagram because I'm like, oh, they're going to judge me. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm so scared. They're going to think this, this and that and that there's no way I could be a Christian because I'm a model and blah, 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 blah. And then at Zoe, I feel like I don't feel weird about it. Like, I feel like everyone is not judgmental at all. And they also understand like we're in LA. We're not, you know, potato farmers. Like, it's just a different situation that people understand here where people in other places, it's very not normal to them. So it 
seems a lot more extreme than here. It's like, it's a job. Right, yeah. I think though, because from my personal experience, I've had to check myself too, as a music artist and how I portray myself in the past, because I'm like, okay, who am I trying to be and who am I trying to portray myself as? And I think that it's harder to be Christian in LA, obviously for a lot of people, because we go to a church where everybody is basically an actor, dancer, model, photographer, filmmaker, whatever. They're doing something in the business. I learned that kind of being in LA, it's a lot harder. I mean, I grew up in Chino Hills in the suburbs. So I've been in California and Southern California my entire life. So I get how it vibes here. But I grew up at a, like a really strong church and coming out here in LA, a lot of people are new believers and they're in the industry and it's like a whole different world for them to live out their faith in LA because of the fact that they are pursuing something that ends up kind of glorifying ourselves, you know? Cause like when we're modeling, it's us in front of the camera and you kind of feel some type of way. When it's singing, it's about you being on stage. When you're performing as an actor, it's about you on camera. It's very much about us mm -hmm. and I think finding the balance between honoring God and giving God the glory in an industry like this as opposed to wanting it and then like becoming a clout chaser doing things just so you can get the check and like all these like weird situations that the worldly people do yeah do not get caught up in that because we are to be set apart yeah. and I think that's kind of the balance in the game is like how can we be in this world and not of it but how can we also be set apart mm -hmm. so that when someone looks at us they don't confuse us for them yeah. because they're not supposed to they're supposed to look at us and be like there's different. something different about them yeah and i think also it's it's two things it's how you prioritize things which i've i've not always prioritized church by any means like i you know if i like would party on a saturday night i'd be too tired to go to church on sunday and like i did that for a long time and so now it's like i've always been a believer but I've prioritized things differently throughout my life. And now it's like making those priorities very known. And it's like, no, these are my Sunday plans. And like, that's it. There's no discussion. Also, I think that it's really awesome to be the, the different person in an industry. Even if it's harder to be a Christian in this industry, it's really cool because there's not enough of us in that industry. Mm -hmm. So it's like, you're changing. You're making something that could have been a dark, self-absorbed industry and you're switching it. And you're maybe bringing people to God. You're maybe having those conversations like I've had so many conversations about spirituality at work and it's never a pushed conversation it just comes up people are talking you're in the makeup chair for two hours you talk about a lot of stuff yeah and so it's I think especially you know. in this industry because I think like you know I do acting headshots and modeling digitals and nearly every single conversation turns into something about God mm -hmm. and it's not intentional it's yeah. just that what I noticed about our specific world is that there's a lot of lost people mm -hmm. you know a lot of insecure lost people who don't feel loved and I feel like it's not a coincidence that God pulled me back into doing talking to models like my audience has now become we went from doing acting headshots and focusing on actors like my content on TikTok to now really being models mm -hmm. and I didn't want to do fashion again I didn't want to like come back in this world but I felt like I was pulled back in and now that I'm in it I understand why because so much of the development that I do when I do digitals or when I do people's shoots has so much psychological you deep dive into these people's past to see what got them to be insecure and not know how to be comfortable in their body yeah. in the present and then you learn that a lot of these people have issues with self-love and like understanding their value and stuff and then you just it just becomes this like really interesting thing but then you understand the missing puzzle piece which is god's love yeah. in their life and then that's why for me it's easy to teach models how to be free in front of the camera because i have this intrinsic understanding of my value and god's love for me which allows me to be so free and flexible yeah. in front of the camera either doing content for this stuff or if it's my music and that freedom that I have I have to transmit it to my clients and when they feel it then they're able to move and perform in yeah. front of the camera and I'm like yeah though it's building confidence and developing you what
what it really is, is giving you a piece of God that I have, the piece of that power, because only through God can you find that freedom. Yeah. And when you have that freedom, it unlocks your voice as a singer. It unlock unlocks your ability to perform in the camera as an actor. Mm -hmm. It unlocks your movement as a model. And yeah. it unlocks so much in a creative person yeah. that I think has been like a really beautiful thing. Yeah. It's cool. I mean, even like Maddie Pru, she was on The Bachelor. She was, you know, going through the whole fantasy suite situation, all of these things. And like, she has been such an incredible advocate and women to look up to. Or Sadie Robertson, you know, she was like, I love listening to her. And she was on a reality show. Like, there's all these people that should, should be in, you know, worldly, secular jobs or places in life that would be so easy to fall into that and I'm sure at times they they may have a little or whatever I'll speak for myself like at times I've definitely fallen more into the worldly ways but if you can stay strong on that like look at the difference you can make and how you can stand out and be um someone to look up other people can look up to you know 100% okay Anna it was nice to have you on thank you for coming it was so great I think like we talked about a lot of dope things what's your Instagram and social media so people can follow you it's Anna Noel with four L's so A-N-N-A-N-O O-E-L-L-L-L. -L -L. Cool. Well, thank you <laughs> for coming. One day it'll just be Anna Noel. We'll get there. <laughs> Gotta annihilate all the other ones that exist. <laughs> right. <laughs> but no, thank you for coming. And for I'm me. looking forward to your career growing. You're so young, so yeah. you're going to have so much ahead of you and stuff. I'm, I'm happy to be a part of it now that we know thank each you. other. I know. I'm so happy I met you. And I'm so excited <laughs> we were able to do this today. Yes. High five. Good job. Okay, cool. <laughs> all right. We can cut. Thanks for listening to today's show. And don't forget to hit that follow button to be in the loop when a new episode drops. Be sure to check out my model masterclass by visiting my website, brandonandrephoto.com or by clicking the link in my bio on Instagram at the Brandon Andre.